This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Let's start our Bibles, 2 Corinthians. We're going to go to the New Testament, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, you can open up to whatever translation that uh, you have, but uh, the, the, the words, the, uh, just like the lyrics were shown on the screen, we'll have some uh, verses up on the screen as well for you guys to follow if you don't have your Bibles with you. Uh, but I encourage you to bring your Bibles. There's nothing like bringing your Bibles. Some of you all have your paper Bibles, uh, your old school OG, but some, some of you others are, are modern and trendy and you have your iPhones and your Android devices. God bless you if you have one. Uh, but hey, uh, your iPads, whatever it is, uh, take them out. And if you're taking notes today, follow along. Uh, take some copious notes because we're going to learn the word this morning. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're going to verse number 3, 4, and 5. And this is what the Bible says. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. All right, verse five again, we, somebody say we. It's a decision, it's a choice that we make, all right? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, because there's so much of that that's going to happen in our Christian walks, and take every thought captive to obedience of Jesus Christ. Pray with me for a second. Father, would you speak to us through the word? I pray, God, that uh, your word will come alive in our hearts this morning. As I teach this word, give me the ability to be able to communicate your word with power and might, God. I pray that we will be able to learn the scripture. I pray, God, that you will teach us what we need to learn today. I pray, God, that your word will come alive in our hearts. That, Lord, we will be revived in our spirits. That, Lord, as we approach this week, God, that we will approach it with confidence, knowing that you are with us. And your word is what sustains us. So here we are. Speak to us. I pray that your presence will be in this place. And your Holy Spirit will will break this passage and break this message down for us, for us to understand. So thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The Apostle Paul is writing this book to the church in Corinth or the Corinthian church, which was this very high dollar church that was very financially stable. Uh, They were well off, so to speak. Uh, But what they had in finances and socioeconomic standing of sorts They lacked in spiritual immaturity, all right? 
this spiritual immaturity was impacting the depths of what God had in store for them. It's very likely of many of our churches today here in America, where we're good. Everybody is not under the not not everybody is under the under the poverty line. Not everybody is struggling to make uh, ends meet. Uh, there are exceptions to the case, and I'm well aware of that. But there are so many of us in this room that live in comfort. We have uh, a roof over our heads. We have clothes on our back. We have food in our tummies day after day. We experience the goodness of God, right? But what we often have in uh, all of the socioeconomic standing often that we're in, we lack so much in our spiritual uh, maturity uh, many a time. And what does that mean, right? Uh, They had spiritual gifts, They had the power of God. They had the anointing. They were filled with the Spirit. They were baptized in water. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had all the baptisms put together. They were worshiping God. They were led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit took over their services, and people spoke in tongues, and they were prophesying, and people were were, were manifesting in the gifts of the Spirit, and all of that was wonderful. But man, what happened on a Sunday morning or what happened in their worship services would stay in their worship services and they wouldn't reciprocate what happened in the presence of God out there in their community. Right? I grew up in so many churches like that that we experienced the power of God. We experienced the anointing of God. The move of the Holy Spirit was powerful and people were filled with the Spirit and people were jumping up and down and, and lifting up their hands and being slain in the Spirit and all of that stuff. And, and that's great and that's amazing. And, and the Bible talks about you know being filled with the Spirit. But the problem is a lot of our churches, they teach us, a lot of the churches that we're probably used to, or you've attended at one point in time, teach us how to fall on Sunday mornings and how to be in the presence of God on Sunday mornings, but they don't teach us how to stand on Monday morning. And that's lacking. There's so much of that that is lacking. The Christian maturity that we need to stand our ground and say, God, you know what? No matter what happens, we are first called to be Christians that are rooted in the word of God. And this was the issue with the Corinthian church. They were prophesying and speaking in tongues and the miracles and the healings and all of that happened. But when it came to their association with people, interacting with people and all of that stuff, man, the Christianity went right out of the door. So in verse number three and four, Paul is breaking it down and he's saying, man, I I need to kind of break this down for you guys. For though we walk in the flesh and though we are human and though we're believers and though we, you know, we're human beings and we're carnal in us, we're not waging war according to the flesh. He says, we don't have to work like the world works. We don't have to operate like the world operates. We don't have to, you know, do stuff that the world does. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold, the moment people hear strongholds, they're like, ooh, stronghold. We're talking about something real spooky today. No, no, no. I want to break this down today. A stronghold is a mindset. A stronghold can be a disposition. A stronghold can be a pattern. A stronghold can be an addiction. A stronghold can be things that are in your life that is difficult to break off from. A stronghold is a thought process that hinders progress. That's what strongholds are. A stubborn disposition. 
A stronghold is something that has this stronghold against you, simply put. See, most of us think that strongholds are bondages or sickness or drugs or alcoholism or bad sins. But strongholds can be the attack of the enemy to implant lies or falsehood, especially about the goodness of God and the love of God. We begin to doubt his goodness when when problems rise, when Christians either remind themselves of, 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 of issues that are going on in their lives. The enemy has a way of trying to tell you that God is not good. When you start doubting God's goodness and what God can do in your life, that's all the enemy wants because he wants you to be distracted from the fact that no matter what you're going through, God will still come through for you. And verse number five, we're challenged to destroy every argument of the enemy and loft opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. He's basically saying, man, we're tasked with bringing down anything that tries to compete with Jesus in your life. He's saying any single thing that comes up in your life that tries to compete with Jesus, that tries to compete with the presence of God, that tries to compete with the Holy Spirit revealing himself to you, those things, he says, you have a choice in the matter. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, you have a choice. He says, that decision is yours to make. A lot of strongholds happen in people's lives and we hang on to strongholds and we have a problem shaking off strongholds because we make a conscious choice not to do so. We often pray that the enemy leaves and the enemy goes away and Satan doesn't try to harm you. But God is, is reminding us that it's a duty that you and I have. If there's anything that's trying to compete with God in your life. You know, sometimes strongholds can be patterns or cycles. And this morning, that's what I want to title my message, Breaking the Cycle. Breaking the Stronghold Cycle. There's so many of us go through this cycle of strongholds in our life that hold us back, that pull us back, and God is reminding us today, right? What are these negative generational patterns and cycles that you probably observe in your life? Do you know that when we're born as as children, we get the DNA of our parents, right? We get the DNA of our parents. Not just the physical DNA of our parents, but what a lot of people don't know is that we also get the spiritual DNA of our parents, all right? For a lot of people, you see that in, from generation to generation, if you see alcoholism that, that, that runs in the family, very, very, it's, it's very certain or, or, or it, it just happens automatically to where you see alcoholism continue into the family. Where people, kids pick that up and, and generations pick that up. And, and I've seen so many families that said, you know what, I'm not going to allow this to happen to me. Individuals that have stepped up and said, you know what, I'm not going to let this happen to me. Individuals that have been broken by issues of alcoholism in their family who've made conscious choices of saying, hey, I I can either accept the fact that my whole family is bound by this or I can run away from this, you know, at at full speed. Or you see divorces that happen in family. The grandparents got divorced. My parents got divorced. So you know what? It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And you get into marriage thinking that divorce is going to happen. And, and, and because it's happened before and the past talks about divorce, it, it becomes okay or it doesn't, it's not a big deal if it happens because it, it happened before and, and I think it's a family thing. And I'm going to talk about that in a second as to how God is asking us to make decisions to say, you know what? No, it ends over here. It's a cycle that I'm about to break. You know, children are not born racist. We know that, right? Like there, there's no ounce of racism in children. 
They pick up patterns of discrimination and prejudice and inculcate that pattern into their life. As to what's taught to them, what they observe in life, what they hear, what they see, that's what trains their minds. Husbands and wives cussing each other out while they tell their kids not to use profanity. Don't say that word, but mom, I just heard you call dad that. I thought that was a term of endearment. And the cycle goes on and you wonder why your kids are the way they are. We wonder why our kids don't apologize because they don't see apology in the home. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Like it's so hard sometimes for husbands and wives to say sorry to one another. And your kids watch that and your kids are learning from that. They're not born that way, right? And the cycle continues into their lives where it hampers their relationships in the future. It could be the cycle of poverty where your, where, your, where your parents lived in debt and that debt continues and some of us are living in debt and debt and debt and we don't want to come out of it. There are some strong people that decide and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow this to affect my life. I'm not going to allow this to hamper me. I'm not going to allow debt to overcome me. I'm going to get out of debt. You make something for yourselves. You do something for yourselves. It's a decision that you make. You know, Psalms 145, it says, we will praise you from generation to generation. God is all about generation to generation, man. It's powerful. Just like God is about blessing generation to generation, the enemy is about, man, getting a hold of generation to generation. See, we pass a lot of things cross-generationally. My parents worried all the time. My parents had anxiety, so I automatically worry all the time. My dad had a temper. That's why I have a temper. I was praying at this, this, this one church a long time ago when I was attenuating, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Vicky, he, he said, there's somebody in the church right now, they, they have this issue with diabetes, and, and God was like saying, there's a spirit of healing in this place, and we're going to pray that, that healing happens. And I said, hey, there's somebody here with diabetes, and, and, and God wants to heal you. And crickets, nobody. Nobody said it. It's like, anybody here that wants your healing? Come on, the Holy Spirit is here. You're going to get your healing today. Crickets. I'm like, Lord, this hurts. They call me a, they're going to call me a false prophet. They're going to not come to my meeting tomorrow because no one's saying anything. And I see this, this lady running from one side of the church to the other side of the church, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we, the toilet's the other way. Like, like, go this. And she runs and she goes to this gentleman on the other side. Happens to be her husband. I don't know why they were sitting apart, but she goes like all the way to the other side, drags him by his hand, pulls him to the front. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, like and then she says, Pastor, he's lying. I was like, what? what? What are you talking about? Was, she's like, he's lying. I was like, what? Lying about what? And she's like, he has diabetes. <laughs> I looked at him and I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, like, he, elderly gentleman. I was like, hey, I called you. Like, you made me look bad, bro. And he was like, you know, my parents had diabetes. My grandparents had diabetes. You know what? I'm stuck with it, Pastor. Don't even worry about it. I'm like, bro. Like God told you that there's healing in this place and maybe, you know, God wants to heal you of that some of us are so stuck up in, hey, I think I'm stuck with this. Like, I don't think there is a remedy for this. I don't think I'm going to come out of this. I don't think that, that God has a plan for me in this. And you're like, it has happened to me generationally. So you sit there and you allow life to happen to you. Don't use what someone else did in a previous generation to keep the pattern alive. God says you have a decision to make to, uh, to, to hold thoughts captive. Yeah. 
to say, you know what? Anything that rises against the plan of the kingdom and of God. And that's what Ezekiel chapter 18, go with me. Ezekiel 18 verses 2 to 4. This is what the Bible says. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb anymore in Israel. For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. Choices. Choices are what will allow the cycle to continue. It's not the, oh, my parents did this, so it's going to affect me. It's not, my parents did this, so it's going to continue from generation to generation. Man, if, if you and I say, you know what, I'm tired of living in this sin. I'm tired of living in this bondage. I'm tired of living in this generational, you know, this thing that, that, that keeps coming to me over and over again. Some of us need to make choices and say, anything that exalts itself above Jesus and anything that exalts itself about what the word tells me about me, I'm going to put it at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm going to make a choice. And I'm I'm going to pray about this because I need deliverance. We're going to do a case study this morning. John chapter number five. And it was just kind of an introduction. Look at somebody and say that was an introduction. John chapter number five. You ready for this? This is the message. After this, there was a feast. Verse number one. John chapter five, verse number one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind and lame and paralyzed. One man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. Doesn't that give, let me pause there for a second. Doesn't that give comfort to somebody? It says that Jesus knew that he was there for a long time. It's amazing. Like Jesus knows what you're going through. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how grave the issue is. It doesn't matter how much you haven't seen your breakthrough happen as yet. The Bible says Jesus saw or saw him lying there and, and he knew that he was there, right? And, and he looked at him and said, do you want to be healed? Duh, Jesus, yeah, right? The sick man answered and said, sir, that's what you would expect. And be like, duh, Jesus, yeah. But, but, but he responds and says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. I'm going to give you four points. Someone say four points. How do you break the cycle? How do we break the cycle of bondages? How do we break the cycle of things that happen in our life, of strongholds that happen in our life that, you know, are, are there, are very present. Number one, be convinced that Jesus wants to set you free. I know it's a long point, but it says, be convinced that Jesus wants to set you free. You have to be convinced that the cycle that you're going through is not God's judgment. The cycle that you're going through, if it was generational, in the verse that we read in Ezekiel, it says, man, for every person, his own sin. There are a number of examples that I can take from the Bible and say, it's, it's not your father's sins that you're, that, that you're not living in the consequences of your father's sins. There's so many of us that wallow in self-doubt and, and in guilt and pity because our, our family went through stuff and you're like, man, I don't know if I can get out of this, but, but that cycle that you're going through is not God's judgment. 
You know what John chapter 8, 36 says? The son, who the son sets free is free indeed. God wants us to live in freedom. 1 John 3, 8 says, Jesus comes to destroy the works of the devil. He's destroying. And, and what are the works of the devil? To, the, the devil has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. So Jesus has come to destroy what the enemy wants to destroy. It's important for us to understand that. And I know some of y'all don't believe in the devil because you're smart, okay? And, and I know you're like, ah, oh, devil, brother, you, you're talking about the devil too much. A little too much about Satan. Ah, just talk about some good stuff, some feel-good stuff. And No, 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 no. It's important to talk about the forces of the enemy. Let's talk about this. And in John chapter 5, it says, in these lay a multitude of invalids. You know why I like that verse? Because it says hundreds of people had issues. You know why I love the verse? It's because it reminds me of Commission Church. It's, it, it reminds me that, man, we're not perfect. It reminds me that wherever Jesus is, it does not need to be perfect. Jesus is the one that makes it perfect. Come on, somebody. He walks into a place where everything is in disorder. We're not a perfect church. We all have our issues. The more you start coming here, the more you're going to meet some characters. Come on, somebody. Just like any other church. You thought you, you left that other church because there were characters. You're going you're gonna to encounter that everywhere. Come on, somebody. My time. Your pastor is a character. Hundreds of people have issues over there. We all have our issues. I'm glad we don't all come in here perfect. Oh, God is good all the time. Brother, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. How are you doing, brother? Oh, man, let me tell you. God was with me all week, and I felt the presence of God. Praise be to God. Too blessed to be stressed. Too anointed to be disappointed, brother. Like, we're not a church like that. Let's not be a church like that. I haven't sinned, brother, all week. I don't know what that means. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. We're not perfect. And God just does not show up to perfect places. He needs imperfect people. This is what a church should look like. We're going to be a church where people will come and they will see healing in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is here because you're messed up. He's near to the brokenhearted. That's what the Bible says. But there were people with expectancy. No matter how messed up their lives were, they still expected Jesus to show up. Can I hear an amen? amen? No matter how messed up they were, no matter how many multitudes there were, no matter how many people there were, there were people with expectancy. And this one man was like, Jesus, like, like I need help, Lord, but, but there's so much going on. Point number two is nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Remember to break the cycle. Don't deem what you're going through as impossible because God never looks at, his, at it as impossible. Our homie has been lying over here for 38 years. You know what the lie of the enemy is always? It's too late. It's too late. You've been, you've been in it for way too long. Man, that, that sin that you've been living in way too long, just, just continue to go in. Just, just go through the motions. Way too late. And, and for him, he's like, Lord, I've just been here, Lord. Maybe if it was five years ago. How many of y'all do that, Lord, if it was five years ago? If it was like three days ago, maybe it would have been different. But I'm way too invested in this right now. I'm way too deep in this right now. Lord, if it was 15 years ago, maybe this issue would have made sense, Lord. Three years ago, maybe there would have been hope, Lord. But right now, I don't see any hope. I don't see a glimmer of hope at least. But you know what Hebrews 12 tells us? It tells us that we're a part of an unshakable kingdom. That's what the Bible says. 
sickness and bondage and, 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 and the things that you and I go through in our lives, the, 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 the problems that we go through in our life, the cycles that we go through in our life, it directly is, in, is, 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 is clashing with the kingdom of God. It doesn't go along. It doesn't sync with the kingdom of God. The sickness and the bondage is not the kingdom. Those things are shakable. Those things are movable. God can break any cycle that is contrary to the kingdom of God. He says, tear down every thought of the enemy. He says, anything that is in direct conflict with the kingdom of God, you and I have the ability to say, no more, Satan. Not today, Satan. Not today. And not my family, not my children. I have the ability to make some choices today. Nothing is too hard for my God. Point number three, this is an important one. Stop making excuses. To break any cycle in your life, because it's easy to blame the enemy. Oh, the devil's out there to get me, bro. Oh, he doesn't let me go. Like, all the time. Look, we're just clashing heads. Like, when is it going to stop? You don't want it to, because the moment it stops, you're walking with him. You're not walking against him. How does that sound good, Pastor Ashes? It's not supposed to sound good. Jesus did not promise you a bed of roses. He said, I'll give you grace. He says, I'll give you strength. You're going to have people that hate you. You're going to have people that come against you. You're going to face persecution is what he reminds us. There's, there'll, there'll always be an excuse. Hey, you, you know, I, I, he, he looks at him and says, hey, you want to get better? And you know what his answer is? Not yes. It's an excuse. Nobody wants to get me better. Nobody wants to help me go. Nobody wants to do this. No, I, uh, somebody else beats me to this. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of excuses. Someone say excuses. Can I tell you something? There's always, there'll always be an excuse. Excuses are what empower cycles. I want you to write that down. Excuses empowers cycles. Every time you make an excuse, you give that, ex- every time you make an excuse, you give that excuse a Red Bull. Every time you make an excuse, you give it that monster drink and you say, you know what, go, do it. You give it that protein shake and said, I'm going to enable you, come on. A lot of us don't see it that way. And as long as an excuse is in your mouth, the cycle will continue to be in your heart. But my dad hit me, brother. You don't, you don't understand my upbringing. I was abused, brother. You, you, you don't understand, Ashish. I didn't get a fair shake growing up, Ashish. You don't understand. You don't know how I was raised. But I was poor, Ashish. I grew up in the south side, Ashish. I had a bad teacher, man. That's, that's why I failed my education. That's why I'm, I'm in the dumps. That's why I didn't go to college I had a bad teacher growing up. There'll always be someone to blame. There'll always be something to blame. I am who I am because of that friend that introduced me to drugs, Ashish. I am who I am because of that best friend growing up in middle school who exposed me to pornography. That's why I suffer with lust the way I do, Ashish. You have all those excuses because I was abused. I can't get into relationships. I can't get close to somebody because my heart was broken, because somebody stabbed me in the back. Come on, am I talking to somebody? This place is awfully quiet today. And here's what I want to clarify. These are real things. I'm not making light of it. 
I am not. I'm not trying to be insensitive this morning. But, but who are you allowing to define you this morning? That's my question. I, I hear a lot of people holding on to things that people have influence over. Or they've, they've done stuff to you and you're like, man, I'm not going to go forward because they still have the reins in my life. If you give power to something, don't complain when it powers you, when it drives you. Because you gave it power. You're giving it strength. It's like this friend of mine, he, he had some money, so he went and bought a car. I don't think he knew exactly what he wanted, but what he, what he bought was like this nice, really nice car and had a V8 engine, right? V8 engine, and he comes out and he's like, man, I was like, bro, such a nice car. I love this car. And he's like, I don't know, man. It's so powerful, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I like it. Like, it's not too smooth, bro. I, I wanted something real smooth. I was like, bro, you should have bought a Honda Fit. Not something that's called a Hellcat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's like, it usually, like, what you, like, it's common sense. Just because you add that much money to spend, it doesn't mean that you go and spend money on something that has so much of power. Come on, somebody. You understanding what I'm saying? Like the moment you give, you know what you're getting yourself into. You're in driver's seat and you're like, man, I bought this and I'm expecting this to be a smooth ride. But what you put your money into is something that's going to roar and something that's going to scream and something that people are going to turn their heads to. And if you wanted to be subtle, you should have got that spark. Come on, somebody. If you wanted that good gas mileage, you should have bought the spark. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are offended. If you have a spark, forgive me. But I'm just, I'm just saying... If you give power to something, don't complain when that powers you. A lot of people complain about what's going on in your life or what that stronghold is doing inside of you and what that that addiction is doing inside of you. Brother, I just can't get out of it. You can. There's a choice that you make. Come on, somebody. The alcohol doesn't run to you and be like, here you go. No, you make a choice. Come on, somebody, you struggle with it because you allow what empowers you. To, you, you power it. You give it fuel. You add fuel. Am I talking to somebody? Does it doesn't make sense? Okay. See, there's always a crisis available to make you want to rehash old stuff. And what this dude is saying is real. He's like, man, my inability is not causing me to do something. I hate this situation. But here's the thing. If you have an anger issue, remember that the devil will always bring a nutcase in front of you to test that anger issue. It could be your work. It could be your husband. Come on, somebody. That's what the enemy does. We're crazy. Men are crazy. We drive you nuts. But sometimes God places us in your life. That's, why we, that's how we justify ourselves. God places us in your life. And husbands, you're like, man, you're talking about my wife, bro. It's probably your wife. But if God, he wouldn't have given you that wife or who tests your patience if, if he, he didn't know, God didn't know that that was something that needed some fine-tuning. That coworker you work with, you're like, Lord, please give her another job. Like, please, Lord. She's not praying for one, but I am praying for her, Lord. Please. You're fasting for sin. Jeff knows exactly what I'm talking about. Seven, I, I met somebody like that. Hey, bro, why are you not eating with us? I'm fasting, bro. 
what are you fasting for? I'm fasting so that my coworker gets another job. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? I focus on you. Some of you can't make new friends because the new ones you're trying to meet remind you too much of the old ones that caused you pain. You get close to somebody and you love them and you're like, ah, I like this person. I like hanging out with this person. And they say something and they do something that reminds you of that person. And you're like, nah, I'm good. See, every time temptations come, your flesh craves the cycle. But you have the choice to feed your cycle or to rebuke your cycle. The Christian has the ability to either feed that cycle, to feed that temptation, or to say no to that temptation, right? And we, we, we have that choice that we make every single day. Oh, I'm stressed, so I need to go get a drink, and that drink becomes 10 drinks. Feeding it. Oh, I'm stressed, so I want to go shopping. Oh, I'm stressed. Oh, the Krispy Kreme light is on. Oh, the pressures of my job are rising. I just need to go out and be with my friends. We know how that ends up. You can't come to Friday night life group, but we know where you are on Friday night. You know Christians have alter egos? We, have, we, we do have alter egos. I have an alter ego. The alternative personality, the person that you, know, you, you were that wants to creep up here and there often happens Sunday afternoons as soon as you get in the car. Sunday morning, you're like, Jesus, I love you, Lord. Yeah, I'm pumped up. I'm ready. This week, Pastor preached an amazing message. The worship was lit. Let's go. I got this. Come on, Monday. I can't wait for you. And as soon as you get into the car, freaky Oshish steps into the passenger seat. I call him freaky Ashy. You're like, man, what kind of a pastor do we have? <laughs> just, just, just kind of journey with me on this. This is where freaky ashy creeps up. You're ready for this? This is where freaky ashy creeps up, okay? I'm pumped up after church. I'm ready for an amazing week. Monday after work, I'm stressed and I'm driving home and suddenly, hey, how you doing? In the passenger seat. Stressed? Tired? Let's freak out. Let's go crazy. Haven't cussed in a whole week? Come on, use the F-bomb. Come on, let's do it. Go ahead, go and scream at your wife. Go get mad. Tough day at work? Let's go get a drink. Let's go meet up with those friends. See, there's always, there'll always be an excuse to allow Freaky Ashy to take over, to speak to you, to, to, to influence you, to allow you to, 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 to make those decisions and, and to say, you know what, I'm going to allow my weaknesses to take over. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, do you want to be healed? And instead of saying yes, his response is, oh, Lord, I'm going to make an excuse right now. And Jesus is like, I didn't ask you for excuses. And the beautiful thing is Jesus doesn't even go to address his excuse. It's not a, oh, you made an excuse? Let me counsel you through this excuse. No, no, no. Jesus ignores it. Here's what Jesus does every time you, ex you make excuses. He's not there to reinforce those. He's not there to counsel you through those. He ignores them and he redirects you to what you need to do. And he looks at him and he says, man, I want to heal you. That's what I want you to do. 
God's given us that ability. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says this, his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. The moment we can expose our weaknesses to God and say, God, I can't, I need you, I need your power, I need your strength, are those times where God looks at you and says, man, I am going to give you the ability. Be raw, be honest. Don't allow that, that alter ego, don't allow that person that feeds your temptations and feeds your strongholds to get the better of you. This morning, I'm talking to some people that need to hear this word. And all he does is the fourth thing, to break your cycle, you need to obey. It's a common theme. We've been talking about last week too. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And you know what that means? The Bible says that obedience is better. You know what that means? It literally means, hey, it's difficult to obey sometimes. It's hard to obey sometimes. But sometimes you just have to do it because Jesus is asking you to do it and God is asking you to do it. Sometimes you just got to obey. And you know what happens the moment he obeys? Here's what happened. He, he carries his bed and he walks and people have a problem with it. All right? And if you read down the passage, he, they look at him and said, man, you can't carry your bed. This is the Sabbath. It's against the rules. That's what they looked at him and said. You're healed? Who cares if you're healed? Do you know that the world doesn't care about your freedom? It does not. You should care about your freedom more than the world. Because here's what the world does. You are, you are in the world, but you're not off the world is what the Bible says. Okay, remember that you're in the world and nobody in the world cares about the freedom that you live in because the moment he got free, not one person was happy for him. They said, how dare you walk and how dare you pick up your bed? Who cares that you were lying around for 38 years? Do you know the enemy has a problem with your freedom? You can't carry your bed. That's against the rules. What does the world tell you? Be tolerant or else don't judge or else. Be moderate or else you can't be this or that. You always have to be in the middle. Be okay about this and this and this and this or else. You remember that story in the New Testament where Jesus goes to this place called Gardenes and he meets this man that is demon-possessed? Some of you all went, ooh. He meets this man who's demon-possessed and and, and this man has been dealing with these demons and God, 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 God is, Jesus is about to set him free but the story is basically they chain him up, right? Because he's uncontrollable. They chain him up in chains and shackles and they throw him in the cemetery. They lock him up in the cemetery and Jesus goes up to him, frees him and, 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 and casts the demon out of him and he's, he's set free and you know what he does? He runs back into the city and he testifies. He says, guys, guess, guess what? I'm free, I'm free. You know what the people do? They go to Jesus and you know what they tell Jesus? Get out of our city. He says, get out of your city. See, here's the thing. They were comfortable with him being bound. They were okay with him being bound. See, some people like you bound because they can't control you. Some individuals like you bound because they can control your, your, your workplace. They like you bound because they can, they can control. They're, we have to understand this. Some of us are living in toxic relationships. But we fail to accept it and we fail to get help. And God is crying out to some people today. Because the world, they don't like it when you find your true identity in Christ because they can't really control you anymore. Because Christ does something radical in your lives. The true 
understanding of what Christ can do to you completely transforms your life. You go from being a completely abnormal person that runs around and screams around and in shackles and in chains to being completely free. But the enemy doesn't like you to be free because it's against the quote-unquote rules. But today I, I pray that God will... God will give us that ability to be able to read right through it. And for 2 Corinthians, the, the verse that we read already, I'm coming back to that. Worship team, can you come up? For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not off the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How many of us can look at those things that we go through? Those issues that we go through, the strongholds that we suffer, those things that we are constantly battling with on a regular basis, how many of us can refer to those things and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow those to control me. I have the choice to make here. How many of us are tired of making excuses? I know that that's the convenient thing to do, is to make excuses, but how many of us can resolve to say, you know what, I'm, no, I refuse to make excuses anymore. I have the choice. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God. What was it before you met Christ? Every Friday, you were in the club. None of your friends say, hey, bro, that's four Sundays in a row. I don't want you to burn out. None of them are going to be like, oh, that's four Fridays in a row, bro. I, don't, I really don't want you to burn out. Right? No, no. Some of us, we get burnt out with church. So easy. Three Sundays? You went to church three Sundays? Bro, what kind of pastor preaches till 12 p.m.? Don't, doesn't he know that cowboys play at 12 p.m.? Come on, somebody. Sometimes it's it's those lofty opinions that the enemy brings in our lives. Those strongholds that come against us, those thoughts that come against us. That God is looking at sometimes and saying, you need to take hold of it. As the worship team leads us in a few moments of worship today, I want us to, I want us to focus in today. As we surrender our thoughts, as we surrender our minds, as we surrender ourselves in the presence of God today, can we look at God and say, God, you know what? There are some strongholds that I'm dealing with. There are these thoughts that I'm dealing with, these issues that I'm dealing with. I don't know what your strongholds are. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what the excuses are that you're making, but today God is looking at some of y'all and saying, man, it's time that you move those excuses out of the way. Focus in on the Lord. Sometimes it's important to move those excuses out of the way. Sometimes it's important to look at God and say, God, you know what? I trust you with everything. I, I, want, I want us to be convinced that Jesus wants to set us free. Is that something that we know in our hearts? Do we know that Jesus wants to set us free? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
Are you wanting to walk in the freedom? No, the, the world doesn't want you to walk in the freedom because they know as long as you are bound, they can control you. The enemy can control you. But do you know in your mind that God does not want you to be bound? He wants to set you free this morning. Stand up to your feet, church, all over this place. Jesus walks into a situation where there were multitudes, is what the Bible says, multitudes of people. But the beauty of it is that Jesus already knew. That's what the Bible says. He knew that he was there for 38 years. I want you to be rest assured that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your life right now. He knows what you've been struggling with. And still, and yet, he wants to walk into your life and he wants to set you free. It doesn't matter if it's 38 years. It doesn't matter if it's 20 or one week or two months or, or five months. It does, the, the biggest lie that you can buy into, like I said earlier, is the fact that you, you tell yourself it's too late. Because that's what he said. The excuse he made was, I don't know if I can. It's way too late. 38 years, Lord. Every single time I try to get out of this, this temptation, God. Every single time I try to break this stronghold from my life, Lord. Every time I try to work on my anger issue, Lord. But I think it's too late. My dad, my, my we've all accepted it. We're going to roll with the punches. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not as a Christian. I need some people to have that faith in saying, I refuse. Some of us need to add that vocabulary to, to, to our, our, our prayers, to, to our conversations. When we look at the enemy, we need to look at it and look, look at the enemy. I refuse. I refuse to allow my children to go through the same thing I went through. Some of us need to pray over your children. Some of us need to talk life over your children. Whatever that issue is that you're going through, we need life to be spoken over that situation. I'm going to come back and I want to pray, but I want to remind you this morning, be convinced that Jesus wants to set you free. Know in your heart that nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. It doesn't matter the amount of time. Stop making excuses. No matter what the shortcoming, no matter how many excuses, and no matter how valid those excuses may be, doesn't change the fact that you and I are called to say, you know what, I got to put that aside because those excuses, those excuses are a stronghold. When I have counseling sessions with so many people, man, I'm, I'm shocked to see how many people have excuses. Pastor, I'm going through this because of this or because of that. You control that is what the Bible says. You have the ability to turn that around. Pastor, isn't that God's response? Yes, he is, but unless you get along that, that train, unless you say, God, let's, let's do this. I, I surrender all. Some of us are allowing, we're wanting God to do it, but we're holding on to, to stuff. And God's like, I, I can't do that if you don't let go. obedience let's obey today let's lay our, our strongholds at the feet of Jesus whatever, whatever you're struggling with today can we leave it at the feet of Jesus this morning because there's freedom in this place there's healing in this place and as the worship team leads us in a few moments of worship I'm going to come back and pray but hey there's, there's healing in this place 
the prayer team is back there waiting to pray for you guys. I'll be up here to pray for you guys as well. If there's somebody that needs prayers, if you want to just stand along with somebody, agree with somebody in prayer, let's pray. But this morning, we're praying for healing. We're praying for deliverance. We're praying for breakthrough. We're praying that God moves in a powerful way. So would you allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He does best? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the Word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.